got your Bible, take it to Romans chapter number 6, Romans chapter number 6. <clears throat> going to introduce to you, uh, 7, I'm sorry, introduce to you, uh, again, going over what we've talked about, uh, justification, sanctification, sanctification is a process um, it takes time for you to get things right. Um, and and he is, I'm going to try my dead level best to uh, to give you what the scripture is saying. Um, I don't know. I, I've read over this and I, I really want to try my best to give you the give you the thought that he's trying to convey here. So I'm going to try to do that for you. In 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 Romans chapter number seven. And we'll read the first six verses there in just a moment. But he uses marriage as an illustration. Many uh, Now, he gives some thoughts about marriage. He doesn't go all into it. But he gives some just marriage as an illustration of how, it, how we can apply it to where we're at. Um, we've been talking, again, we've been talking about being dead. Uh, Christ conquered death. Uh, he conquered hell and he conquered the law. And so as we look at this, we're going to talk about the authority of the law. What does the, what does the law have authority over today? Many times in the Old Testament, that was, that was their gauge. They, they lived their life by the law. We understand this, and as we go through life, the law is still here. It did not, Christ did not do away with the law. This is how we govern everything that we do. This is how we guide our life is the law. But as we look at this, the law is not necessarily uh, what I follow. I don't, I don't, my, my, as a Christian, I've always heard, I heard people say this, that life and uh, Christianity is just a bunch of rules, uh, just a bunch of do's and don'ts. But if you look at this, and we'll talk about this specifically today, Christian life, our Christian life, should not be just a list of do's and just a list of don'ts. And I, to be honest with you, Christian, if you're living your life like that, right now it's a very shallow Christian life. Well, I can't do this, and I got to do this because this is what the Bible says. We are living a very shallow life. I live for Jesus Christ, and I'll get there uh, in the message, but I live for Jesus Christ not because the Bible tells me I need to, but because I've been compelled to do so. Uh, Paul makes a statement, and I, I don't want to get too far into this before I mess up and start preaching one of my points here. But Paul says, the love of Christ hath constrained me. It stops him. There's things that I'll never do because I love something, and that's Jesus Christ. You know, so let's go ahead, and I'll read it, and then we'll jump into the message. If you have your Bibles, Romans 7. Let's all stand, and we'll read verses 1 through 6. If you can, stand. Verse number 1. Know ye not, brethren... For I speak to them that know the law. So he's, he's introducing this. He wants you to understand who is he talking to. 
He's talking to these, these people who lived their lives by the law. By the letter of the law, they've lived it. How that, I, how that the law hath dominion over man as long as he liveth. For the woman with ha which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her, her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin which were before the law did work in our members to bring forth the fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held, we should serve in newness of spirit and not in, in the oldness of the letter. Now, I'm going to do my best to explain this text because I don't know about you, the first time I read this, I was confused by the time I got to verse number 6. And I said, oh no, i got to read this again. Because Paul is trying to illustrate here what is taking place when I got saved. So let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for every single person that is here this morning. I pray that you'll use me Give me the clarity of mind. Please, Lord, allow me to convey the thought that you have given me. Lord, I love you, and I thank you. Thank you for your Holy Ghost. I pray that you'd fill me with your words and ability to speak this morning. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And thank you, you may be seated. Now, the Bible says in Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 24, when you got married, you and your wife became one flesh. One flesh. Now, what does that mean? Uh, just a perfect illustration, and just so happened I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. One flesh, what does that mean? The perfect illustration of that being is when Job was attacked by Satan. Satan came to God and said, can I attack Job? And God says, I'll let you attack Job, but you can't touch him. And so Satan goes down to Job's material goods and his family, his sons, and he takes everything from him. Satan takes his, his, his donkeys, he takes his, his sheep, he takes his oxen, and he, he works in somebody to do that. And then he kills his children. But then here he sets, after this has all taken place, his wife comes to him and says, why don't you just curse God and die? Get it over with. And Job says, I'm not going to. In his integrity, the Bible talks about, he did not sin in that first chapter of losing everything he had. 
But I say all that to say this, is that Job married his wife and they became one flesh. And so God allowed Satan to destroy everything he had, but he couldn't touch Job. And so at the end of the day, when, when Satan was done messing with Job and Satan was done tempting Job and, and attacking Job, do you know who was still alive at the end of that event? Was Job and his wife. Because when two get married, they become one flesh. They become one flesh. And, and here, here he is. He's given this illustration. And you say, why did you say all that? Because here in Romans chapter number 7, he is giving the law. The law was that if you got married, your spouse died, you were allowed to remarry. That's what the law was. And if you remarried and your spouse wasn't dead, then that was called what the Bible he called an adulterer. So then the other thing that Christ came in, in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter number 19, Christ says there was a, a second, there was two things, two physical things that could happen that would allow you a release to be able to get a divorce. One is a death. It's the death of your spouse. Number two is your spouse is unfaithful. And Christ allows that as a way of divorce. But as he look at this, this is not, he's not talking about marriage. He is talking about marriage, but he's not trying to give instruction about marriage. He wants us to understand that when, when, when you are married to your spouse, you belong to your spouse. I, look, there, you know what stops me from going down the road and trying to find another woman? My wife does, all right? Whether she might beat me up or whatever, but my wife stops me because I love my wife. And there's a reason why I'm not going to step out on my wife is because I love my wife. I'm not going to be unfaithful to her because I love my wife. And Christ and Paul is trying to explain this in Romans chapter number 7 is when you got saved, guess what happened to you? You became part or you united with Christ. Or you united with God. And so what does that mean? That you marry Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible illustrates to us that we are the bride of Christ. And so I became his and he became mine. And so why in the world would I want to step out on my God? And that's what Paul is trying to illustrate here. Here's where we're at. Let me give you an illustration. Marriage. Here's marriage. That's what Paul gets. So I'll give you two simple thoughts this morning concerning <coughs> what Paul has to say. Number one is we died to the law. In verse number five, uh, verse number four, if you'll look there with me. Verses one through three is the verses I just got done explaining to you what he was talking about, why he did that. Then he wants us to understand that we died to the law. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also became dead to the law by who? By the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another. That's none other than Jesus Christ, even to whom, even to him who raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. When, <clears throat> when you were lost, verse number five, for when we were in the what? The flesh. What is the flesh? That's being lost. That's not being a saved person. 
When I was in the flesh, the Bible says, the emotions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. You say, what in the world does that mean? When I was lost, I was condemned by the law. I lived my life by the law. And that's what he's talking about. But when I got saved, I the law did not vanish. The law did not go away. But then we did. When Christ saved me, I don't have to live by the law anymore. I get to live by Christ. And the Bible says in verse number four, he says that when you become dead to the law, didn't say that you conquered the law, didn't say that the law was done away with, but when you become dead to the law, you say, what does that mean? This means this. I'm not married to the law anymore. I don't belong to the law. And the reason I do what I do is not because the law told me to do so. Does that make sense? And so, look, I'm not going to come back from the dead and marry the law. When I, I'm not going to come back from the dead and try to do things because the law told me to do those things. Christianity and the reason I live like I do, it is not, it is not a list of do's and don'ts. Because I am not married to the law. I am married to Christ. And so as you live your life, and as I live my life, we are married to Christ. And so that ought to reflect how we live. How do you live? Well, you know, you would never flirt with another woman in front of your wife, would you? Because she'd slap you. <laughs> and you ought not do it behind your back. Who am I married to? Jesus. Why in the world do you want to flirt with sin? Why in the world do you want to flirt with wrong? Because look, I'm not married to that wrong. I'm not married to them. I'm married to Jesus Christ. You say, that's not, this is exactly what this verse is teaching us, is when I became saved, I became united in Christ. We were under the authority of, Look, when I was lost, I was under the authority of God's law, and I was condemned by the law. But when I trusted Christ to be my Savior, the law, just as we died, and we died to the flesh, we died to the law, we died to the flesh. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1 through 10, now we died to the flesh. We died to the law. The law did not die, we died. When we trusted Christ, we died to the law, but it was in Christ. We arose from the dead and now are married to Christ to live a new kind of life. Before salvation, we did right because of the law. But now being saved, I do right because of grace. Because I love somebody. In verse number five, look at verse number five, if you will. 
The Bible says in verse number five, for we were in the flesh, go down to the last statement. He says, we bring forth fruit unto who? Unto death. When I was lost, everything that I did was the fruit of death. Everything I did was the fruit of death. That fruit of death is the fruit of tempting, the fruit of sin, the fruit of wrong, the fruit of everything wrong. But when I got saved, look in verse number four, look at, and he says, wherefore my, ye are become dead to the law. Now go down to the last phrase. He says, bring forth fruit unto who? Unto God. And so when I was lost, I used to bring fruit to Satan, or used to bring fruit to sin, used to bring fruit to wrong, used to bring fruit to the, the evil things. But when I got saved, I should no longer bring my fruit to Satan and bring my fruit to, uh, I need to bring fruit to God. You say, what is fruit? Well, I'm glad to ask. Fruit, when I plant a, an apple tree and I, my apple tree grows, I want to go out there one day and grab a good old apple and off of that tree and eat it. And I want a good apple. I want a juicy apple. I want a, I want a, I want a delicious apple when I go to the apple tree. Look, when I go to my apple tree, I don't want a plum and I don't want a peach and I don't want an orange. I want an apple. Look, when I became saved, God looks at me and when I produce fruit, I ought to produce what God wants me to produce. And I ought to produce the good things of life. But if you live in the law and you live for Satan, you're going to produce fruit of death. And I don't know about you, but when God looks at me, I want him to see the fruit of God in my life and not the fruit of Satan. And may I say to you, we are dead to the law. We shouldn't serve the law. We ought to serve God. And so bursting from us ought to be the fruit of God, not the fruit of Satan. Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. If you understand that, hey, that's the fruit. But if you look at that verse, and many times it's misquoted, but the fruit of the Spirit, it's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit. It's one fruit. It's one fruit of the Spirit, and that is love, and that's joy, that's gentleness, and that's goodness, and that's meekness, and temperance. All those things come from the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. And I want you to know that if I'm not born again, I cannot produce that fruit. There is not a lost person one that produces that fruit. Well, you say, well, I know you've got lost people that are good. There probably are. Well, I know lost people that love, and they probably do. But they don't love like you ought to. Because I ought to love people in spite of who they are. In spite of what they've done, you say, how in the world can I love somebody that's done me wrong? Because it's the fruit of the spirit, and it's not a fruit of the flesh. Because it's the fruit of the flesh to say, man, I hate them, they did me wrong, I'll never talk to them again. But the fruit of the spirit says, yeah, I'll love you. 
And the fruit of the Spirit says, hey, as Jesus dies on the cross, Jesus is paying for all men's sin. And he says to those who mocked him, and he says to those who spit on him, and he says to those who beat him, he looks and he says, hey, 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 God, would you, hey, Father, would you please forgive them? Now, how did he do that? It was because it was the fruit of the Spirit that came from him. May I say to you, Christian, is that we ought to be able to look at people who have hurt us, and we ought to be able to look at people who've done us wrong and say, Father, I forgive them. Father, I love them. Father, why? Because the fruit of the Spirit ought to come from you and not the fruit of Satan. I know people to this day who are angry at each other because of what happened 20 years ago. I ain't tired of them. You ought to know what they did to me when I was in high school. Is that the love? Is that the fruit of the spirit or fruit of rottenness and the fruit of death and the fruit of Satan? You tell me what it is, son. Good or rot? Right or wrong? I ain't talking to them. No way. I see them coming. I'm headed the other way. That's wrong. That's wicked. That's sin. And that's not the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit? Or fruit of Satan? What is your life producing? Because this is what he said. This is what Paul is saying. I'm not married to the law. And I'm dead. why the Bible says if Jesus told his disciples he said hey if somebody slaps you in the face tell them hey here's the other cheek you want it to that's why he said he said hey hey God hey Jesus how many times should I forgive somebody well you know once that's not what God said why don't you go ahead and forgive them 70 times 7 over and over and over again, you're supposed to forgive them. But I'm going to tell you this. You'll never forgive people. You'll never love people. You'll never do right to people unless you have the fruit of the Spirit bursting from you. Because a rotten tree doesn't produce good fruit. You talk to a man or a woman who Likes pecans. A good pecan tree produces good pecans. A bad pecan tree produces pecans nobody wants to eat. Am I producing fruit that they want to eat or they run from? I don't want any part of that. I'm dead to the law. I'm dead to the law. Number one, I died to the law. But our motivation for living right isn't the law. It's God. It comes from God. Number one, we died to the law. Number two, we are delivered from the law. Look at verse number six. I hope that I've helped. I hope that I've explained this verse as the best that I can. Verse six. 
But now we're delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What's the oldness of the letter? The letter of the law. You know, there's some, some policeman who will stop you and give you a ticket for everything you're doing wrong. That's the guy that's following the letter of the law. And you know what? We get upset because we got a ticket because we did something wrong. Well, what did you expect? Well, I'm mad. He shouldn't have wrote me a ticket. Well, what was you doing wrong? People have got this mindset that police are bad. Police aren't bad. They help us. The police lives are important. And they're saying that they, they govern us the law, trying to help steer us in the right direction. But I'm here to say to you, that's those men that follow the letter of the law. Right is right. And wrong is always wrong. Amen. But he says, I'm not following the letter of the law. You say, is that that's exactly what that says? Paul says, I don't want you to follow the letter of the law. Why would Paul say that he doesn't want us to follow the letter of the law? He did a he did away with the law. Look at verse six. He says that wherein we were held, that we should serve, serve, serve. Who are you serving? I'm not serving the law. You get me? I'm not serving the do's and the don'ts. I'm not serving the less. I'm not serving man. I'm not serving anybody. I'm serving God. And he says in verse 36 that we should serve in the newness of spirit. And what spirit do you think that is? Is the same spirit that he said that we ought to walk in the newness of life. And may I say, may I submit to you, Christian, is quit walking by the letter of the law and start serving by the newness of the spirit which lives inside of you, which works inside of me. And we ought to serve God, not because somebody told me to, and not because I want a pat on the back, and not because somebody wants me to. I'm serving God because I love him, and he loves me in spite of me, in spite of who I am, in spite of what I've done. He loves me, and that's why I ought to serve him. I'm here to say, and I'll shut up and we'll go home. If you're serving God for man, I'm not serving and I'm not going to show up to go soul winning and go visiting and go out and try to greet people for somebody to pat me on the back I'm not doing it I'm doing it because that's what you said you were supposed to do Paul said that the love of Christ hath constrained him it stops him I don't have to wake up every day wondering if 
because I already know what I'm going to do. When we wake up in the morning, there shouldn't be a decision whether we're going to serve God or not because of what Christ has done. Our love for him and his love for us are destructive if we are not. We died to sin. We died to the law. Law cannot exercise authority over a dead person, can they? Dead to the law, 